Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight and open to the book of James. James chapter 1. And it is a joy. I, I love the hymns because of the, of the great doctrinal truth that's written inside. And uh, reflecting on the truth of the words of the songs and hymns is always a blessing. And it's often refreshing, just encouraging as we hear those words again. And I trust they bless your heart tonight. All right, so James chapter 1, a familiar passage. And once you've found your place, you can stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 22 and read down through verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 22, let's pray and we'll begin reading right there. Father, how we love you tonight, how we thank you once again for a second time, Lord, in this day to gather and read your Word, to be challenged and encouraged by the Word of God tonight. And so our desire is just to lift up your Word Lord, we ask you to do your work in our hearts and lives, just as you said you would, that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish that which you please. And Lord, we pray for your will to be done tonight, as you would just work among us, stir our hearts, Lord, strengthen and encourage us tonight with your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word... And not a doer. He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And as we look tonight at at verse 22, be doers of the word. I just want to take that thought tonight and preach on the Bible and look at God's word tonight. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thinking about the Bible and what this book is to us. And I hope your, your mind will kind of go down through memory lane just a little bit tonight as we just contemplate what the Bible is and what God has given us in this book that we hold dear tonight. Think about some of the great treasures that you've been taught in, in, in your Christian life from the Word of God, the good things you know, the ways your life has been changed by this book tonight that we hold, the Bible. This book reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. It should fill the memory Rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. It is given you in life. It will be opened at the judgment and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Think about the Bible tonight. 
Well, the Bible tells us that this book is powerful that we hold in our lap tonight. We know that from the way it's changed our own lives and impressed upon our thinking and our doing. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 tell us that this word is precious. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Oh, what a precious word we hold in our lap tonight. And 2 Timothy three sixteen tells us that this word to us is profitable. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hebrews 11.3 tells us that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And 1 Peter 1.23 reminds us that we were born again by the word of God. What a powerful book God has given us. What a powerful book we hold in our laps tonight. The Bible is a book about God. It's a book that God has given us to reveal himself and the things he wants us to know about this life and the one to come. Jesus is revealed to us in the scriptures. The Bible is a story of Jesus. He's written all over the pages of scripture. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and our lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is our rebuilder of the broken down walls of our human lives. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is the dayspring from on high and our ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, he is the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he is the lover and the bridegroom of our souls. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the burning fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, forever married to the backsliding woman. In Joel, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is, our, he is the mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet carrying the gospel. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk. He is God's evangelist, crying, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is the Savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened in the house of David. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the wonderful worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the one preached. In Romans, he is our justifier. In Corinthians, he is the gifts of the Spirit. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, 
He's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, He is the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, He is our soon coming King. In First and Second Timothy, He is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, He is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, He is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the great physician. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd who soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In the books of John, he is the everlasting. He has everlasting love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. And in Revelation, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, the Bible tells us a lot about Jesus. The Bible is not only good for prophecy and revelation and all of that. It's good for practical living. It's good for us. And that is why God gave it to us in writing. For every generation to pass down one to another, that you and I might read it, that we might hold it, that we might learn to to love it and soon to live it, that we might see the benefits of its truth. In the Bible, it tells us what it can do for us. In Psalm 119, 116, it upholds us. Uphold me according to thy word. It orders our steps. In Psalm 119, 133, order my steps in thy word. It produces our joy. In Psalm 119, 162, it says, I rejoice at thy word. It strengthens us. In Psalm 119, verse 28, strengthen thou me according to thy word. It gives us hope. Psalm 119, 74 and 81 says, but I hope in thy word. It gives light. Psalm 119, 105, and 130, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives understanding. Psalm 119, 169 says, Give me understanding according to thy word. It accomplishes God's will in us. Isaiah 55, 11 says, It shall not return unto me void. It builds up, Acts 20, verse 32, And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It produces faith in Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It produces fruit. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It convicts of sin, Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It gives peace, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It converts the soul. James 1, 18, 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again by the word of God. It cleanses the conscience. John 15, 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It consecrates a life. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It corrects wrongdoing. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable, we know, for correction. It comes right, or it confirms what's right. In John chapter 8, verse 31, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. It comforts the heart. Psalm 119, verse 50, This is my comfort in my affliction. Talking about the word of God. It settles. Psalm 119, 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It keeps us from sin. Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It produces love. 1 Peter 1.22, obeying the truth through the Spirit 
unto unfeigned love. It gives warning, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and them are written for our admonition. It gives knowledge in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh, the Bible is God's book. It's God's love letter to us, accomplishing all these things in our lives. So tonight, the question is, what are we doing with it? When we come to the Word of God, James challenges us not to be a hearer only, but a doer of the Word. When we come to the Word of God, there's a lot of ways to look at that, at that connection. But the Bible gives us two here that I want to look at and that we've mentioned tonight. First of all, if we go back to our text, the Bible is symbolized in many ways, but I want you to consider this. James chapter 1, look at verse 23. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Tonight we're talking about a mirror. And James is telling us that the Word of God can at times be a mirror that you and I can come to the Word of God and God would use this book to show us ourselves. James says, we're looking at our face in a glass, verse 24, and he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So I want to ask you tonight, when you come to the Word of God, God at times will show you yourself what do you do with that image? Do you act on that image? Do you do something with the knowledge and the revelation that God gives you? Or do you dismiss it and pass on? Do you, do you just keep on going? You know, if the Bible's a mirror, I'm going to have to say this. You've probably seen many mirrors, some better than others. We know tonight that a true mirror gives a true reflection. And it is kind of annoying, isn't it? When you get in front of a cheap mirror, one that's not true, and it doesn't show a true reflection. And I know at times we complain about things like, boy, that mirror makes me look wide. Boy, that mirror makes me look, you know. And you go to certain places, and they have the house of mirrors, and you get to see all these wiggly, squirrely images that the, the mirror projects. It's not a true mirror. And, you know, at times we can have fun with all of that. But when we come to the Word of God, we don't get any of those distorted images. We don't get any of those condemning images making fun of us what we get is God's truth we see the image that God sees when he looks at us God using his word then shows us what's really down inside as he as we get a glimpse in the mirror of God's word so a true mirror gives a true reflection God's word just the same is able to do that for us revealing sometimes things we don't even see in ourselves that we find in God's Word. Let's look at a couple of verses tonight. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And so because God sees what's within, oftentimes as you and I come to the word of God, he'll show us things about ourselves in the mirror of his word. These are things he already sees, but you and I fail to see them. And God shows them to us. 
John 17, 17 is another verse you can write down or turn to later. It says, thy word is truth. And this is how we know that the Bible gives a true reflection. When God's word reveals something to us about ourselves, we know that he is always right. Amen. He is always on target. His description is always accurate. And when God convicts us or speaks to us about something in our own heart and life, we know that that information is reliable. It is the truth of God's word. So tonight I ask you, how do you look in the mirror? Do you take a quick look? Do you look like Brother James talked about, you know, just look and gone and forget what you saw? No, no, no. I know because I've seen many people in the mirror. We take a careful look. Sometimes we take a long time in the mirror. Oh, we want to get every hair just in place. And if you ever look in the mirror and see something wrong, oh, we're going to, hey, we're going to fix that, whatever it is. Right? We spend time working on that. But hey, you know, if we would do the same thing when we come to the mirror of God's word, if we took the same amount of time to work on the things that God reveals about the inside of us, things that are, that are within, that God reflects from his word, if, if we spent that much care and that much attention and that much time working to develop those things and to correct those things, hey, we might be like Daniel tonight. We, we might be ten times better. God help us to see that true image, that clear reflection in the mirror of his word. What kind of things do you see? When we look in a mirror, we look at, again, we look at those external things, right? We're all about that. And we like it when we see external things. When somebody comes into church and externally everything looks good, boy, we like that. Hey, check mark. We got everything good. But sometimes, sometimes we need to stop and look way deeper. Because God certainly does. The Bible doesn't say that God doesn't see the external things. That's not what 1 Samuel 16 says. But God doesn't make a determination on the external things like we do. We look on the outside and say, oh, wow, hey, boy, that person's got it all together. Right? We look at their Facebook page. Oh, man, hey, hey, look. Cinderella life, man, they got everything's everything's all good, man. Their life's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But when we have all the outside things together, it checks all the boxes for us, and we're so willing to make a determination based on that. Yet God says, not only does He see that, but He looks further. And He makes His determination not on the outward appearance, but on what He sees within. And that's why God told Samuel not to anoint Jesse's oldest son to be the next king of Israel, but he was waiting for the youngest son, David. He said, oh, now there, I see something, a real treasure. But it was something none of them could see because it was lying within his heart. God saw within the heart of David, even as a young man, and he said, hey, there is the next king. And so when God shows us things in his word, remember, he's given a true reflection. 
God is trying to help us to correct, to prepare, to improve, to grow, to learn. And we should take him at his word. But there's another image that the Bible uses to describe itself. Not only is it a mirror to show a reflection of us, the Bible talking about the the inward parts, the Bible is also, you could say, it could be considered like an x-ray machine. A moment ago I read Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. What a great verse to describe that. Because it says there, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it says, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hey, no other document can do that so well, quite like the Bible. A crisp x-ray reveals hidden things within, and so does the word of God. Luke 12, 2 says, There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Hey, the truth tonight is, God already knows. But we need to understand that God uses this word to reveal what he already knows. God uses his word to help us see what he already sees. What is an x-ray? It's a photograph, or you might say it's a snapshot. But what does it show? It shows the deep things within that the eyes cannot see. It shows those bones, right? And whether there's any harm or damage there. Things that we need to look within and see. Things like what Hebrews talks about. Our thoughts. Our emotions. You know, the Bible has some things to say about these things. Our motives. Our intentions. Because in the Christian life, all of these things, they matter to God. Hey, does it matter? Does it matter what I casually spend time thinking about? The Bible says yes. God says yes. That's why he said to think on these things and gave us a list of qualifying virtues for our thought life so that we might stay on the right track mentally. How about our emotions? Somebody said, well, God gave us emotions, so he must want us to act on them. I wouldn't be so quick if I were you. Our emotions can betray us. And sometimes when we act on our emotions, we are, in fact, acting in the flesh. And sometimes the first thing that comes to your mind, the first way you feel, is the last thing you ought to do. How about our our motives? Do motives matter? Absolutely. They matter to God. They matter so much that we can do the right thing with the wrong motive, and the Bible says we can lose a reward over that. It's just like those Pharisees, remember, who loved to pray standing on the street corners. Ah, but their motive was to be seen of men. And what did Jesus say? They have their reward. I hope you enjoyed being seen on the the corner praying out loud because that's the only reward you're going to get for that. How sad that is. To spend your whole life and the only reward for your labor is the material things down here. Nothing to show for our deeds in heaven or our life that we live for Christ. Motives matter. Jesus taught us that. 
and the intent of our heart. God is very much concerned with our appearance. And the Bible has verses that deal with all of that. But he also looks internally to see deep within us. And at times, God wants to reveal that part to us. He uses his word so that you and I can benefit and we can grow from what we see there. These methods of looking at our condition are revelations to us, but they show us what God already sees in our hearts. Hey, tonight, we need to be determined to take God's word and hold it a little more dear. We need to be determined to go to the scriptures with our eyes wide open, ready for God to show us some things. We need to be have receptive hearts. We, we need our heart to be wide open so that we might hear and see and receive the things that God is trying to help us with so that personally we can grow and learn and do his will both on the inside as well as the outside. Hey, you know, it seems when we first become Christians, we learn all the outward things and all that's good. But if we never learn the inward parts, we're missing the deepest stuff. And that's what we get from the pages of God's word. When we read our Bibles and pray, we have our devotional time. This is one of those areas that we need to be connecting with God and, and we need to be seeing benefit. We need to see God at work in our lives from time to time as he takes us to the mirror or as he performs that x-ray on our heart showing us some things within that he already sees. Hey, let's make sure, like Brother James said, that we're not forgetful hearers, but that we're doers of the word. Let's take what God gives us, put it into practice, so we can grow thereby. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, tonight, how we love you, how we lift up your word tonight, and how we thank you, Lord, for sharing it with us. Thank you for using it. Lord, to, to reach us, Lord, to be saved in the first place. And then strengthening us, teaching us, and growing us all with the word of God. Lord, help us to always, always trust your word, always listen to your word, to be willing to submit and surrender to your word. Lord, that we might do your will in all things. And we'll thank you, Lord, for all you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.